How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hey there, Disney Files. Thanks for tuning in. Just a little warning that whilst we like to keep things bright and light here at Dissecting Disney Ditties, occasionally we do drop in a bad word or two. So if you're listening at home or in the car with the kidlets, you might want to listen to this later. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, the president will now be here to answer any questions. Uh, well, thank you all for coming. I, I do have time for a couple of questions. Over here, Mr. President. Mr. President. from CNN. The people want to know, what is the best Disney song? That's all the time I have for today. Thank you very much. Mr. Mr. President, you, you, can't, you can't walk away from this. Mr. Mr. President. Hello, hello, and welcome to Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers and Will. I'm Stackers. And I am Will. And on this show, we'll be breaking each Disney animated classic down, song by song, in an attempt to answer the impossible question. What is the best Disney song? Are we there yet? We get there when we get there. That is a great question. What is the best Disney song, Stackers? Uh, look, I uh, I can't guarantee it's going to be from this movie, but uh, <laughs> we're, run- <laughs> we're on our way to finding it. We had a pretty big one last week. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, I can't guarantee it's going to be from this one either, but we are <laughs> sort of wading through the Sherman Brothers' work um, and their... Uh, their contributions to the Disney canon. So if nothing else, it will at least be interesting. How have you been? Yeah, I've been pretty good. You know, yep. another week in lockdown looks like the previous week in lockdown, which looks like the previous one before that and the previous one before that. It's like 254 <laughs> days by this point, but who's counting? How no. are you? Uh, look, I'm actually not too bad. I've just, uh, I've had a, a good week, you know, it's um, uh, not much is really happening, but it's just been good. I've been relaxed. I've been just, Chilling, enjoying life, spending yeah. time in my hammock, you know. School, just, school holidays will do that to you. It certainly will. It certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So for those of you who have uh, just tuned into our fabulous podcast for the very first time, welcome. Welcome. So here on Disney Ditties, we watch a whole bunch of Disney animated movie musicals, and then at the end we rate each of the songs that we heard in those films uh, out of five based on their music lyrics, animation, contribution to the story, and a cake score. Cake being, when the credits are rolling, do you still remember the song? How much of it do you remember? Give it a score out of five. Does it haunt your very (laughs) nightmares to your (laughs) (laughs) mid-thirties? Does it deserve pieces of cake or simply donuts? (laughs) And uh, the film that we are dissecting today is... The Aristocats! Pet's address is the finest in Paris. Which pets possess the longest pedigree? Which pets get to sleep on velvet mats? Naturellement, the Aristocats. So, just before we started recording, we had a little bit of an interaction about this movie, and you, I said to you, 
that this was probably my favourite of the uh, quote-unquote animal Disney movies. And you very quickly stopped and said, we have to start recording right now. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Um, I just like, okay, so animal movies we've had so far. We've had 101 Dalmatians. Yep. Lady and the Tramp. Yep. Dumbo. Yep. Jungle Uh, Book would probably count, I guess. Oh, yes, Jungle Book. Uh, That's pretty much it, I think. probably it. Yeah, Yeah. okay. So, and then, so this is the fifth animal movie. Now, you're telling me that out of those five movies, this is your favourite. This is above 101 Dalmatians and Lady and the Tramp. It is very close, I think. But, yeah, I kind of liked this more. And I think that that sort of speaks to what I like about a movie. And for me, this movie was very slapstick. It was very Looney Tunes. It was very um, silly in a lot of ways. But I mean, look, I know it's not changing the world and it's not trailblazing anything. It is basically 101 Dalmatians just with cats instead and France <laughs> instead of England. Um, but I really, really enjoyed the humour. Interesting. Mm. And it's just little moments like towards the end where the mouse is trying to open the lock. And he sort of shouts out, quiet, and everyone just stops, like, the fight. (laughs) And they're just looking at him, and he unclicks the lock, and he says, okay, thank you. And then they all start again. (laughs) Stuff like that I find very funny. And so I had a real, uh, I really enjoyed this movie overall. I think think the reason that I I didn't enjoy it Mm -hmm. is because, to me, it felt like a whole bunch of short slapstick like vignette scenes that have been strung together yeah. with the most basic basic storyline yeah. um this uh this doesn't have an original story that i can give you okay um so there is no original synopsis but i can tell you what the synopsis is in about two sentences which is old woman has cats she's going to give all of her what seems like an incredible fortune to in her will yeah. uh butler is mad about that Fails to kill cats. Cats make it home. The end. Oh, yeah. and in the middle of that is Lady and the Tramp, but with cats. Yeah, yeah. No, essentially. So- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally the whole story. Like, I didn't... There's no real, um, like, substance in it. It's just he tries to kill them. I don't know how he's going to kill them. Mm. Um, they get ditched on the side of the road, and the entire movie is them sort of trying to get home, but it's interspersed with all these sort of like random slapsticky scenes with like the geese and the dogs and God knows what other, it was just, it was so. Those fucking geese are my life. I love those geese. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's interesting because like, I guess when I think about the, the things that were influential to me when I was growing up and when I was sort of, you know, developing my own personality as you do when you're a child and you're growing up um i was influenced a lot by my dad and his love of things like monty python which is very sort of absurdist and slapstick and and um and sort of those old british comedies which sort of lean into that as well so i guess Mm. i enjoyed it because it sort of invoked something of that in me a little bit and again monty python not really i mean if we're we're not talking about the holy grail or anything but you know just like random slapsticky mm. segments strung together. Yeah. This is sort yeah. of the same sort of thing. Very loose storyline. Yeah, absolutely. Random segments, yeah. Yeah, so I, I completely acknowledge what you've said and I, I completely agree. 
Um, I just think that for me personally, it was very enjoyable. Yeah. You're, you're talking to me like I'm a parent and you're the teacher. <laughs> I completely understand what you've said and I respect your opinions. You're very valued. Um- <laughs> uh, I apologise. Sometimes I just sort of like d- default into that mode. <laughs> it sucked, Will. It sucked. No. Um, I, didn't, like, I didn't hate this as much as something like um, Sword in the Stone. Yeah. But... It's cl- it's close. If I was ranking them, this would be not far away from where I'd put that on the ladder of films that I've enjoyed so far. I guess that's why we work as a pair, though. Like, we do have such varying views and opinions, and it'd be kind of boring, I guess, if we agreed on everything all the time and disagreed all the time, to- or yeah. even disagreed all the time, you know? So, And if yeah, you want to hear an entire episode of Will and I not agreeing <laughs> on a single thing about a movie, uh, sign up to our Patreon and check out our latest bonus episode on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Do you know how much hate I got from people who heard that episode. <laughs> there are a lot of people who love that movie. <laughs> Angie was walking around the house listening to it, just like shaking her head. Going, oh, oh, God. <laughs> she was the one that sent me like an angry, you might as well watch Grace. <laughs> yeah. At the second you said something like, it's like Grease where they fly off at the end. Yeah. I was like, oh God, we're not going down this path, are we? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Will loved it. Stackers, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, look, the Aristocats. um, Overall, you didn't love it? Didn't love it. Just thought it was a lot of, like, pointless, boring kind of we don't have a storyline. Well, you know, I guess because Walt Disney has well and truly passed away now by the time this comes out and... He's definitely just, dead. They haven't been able to keep him alive on, yeah, you know, in the yeah. brain jar. <laughs> they currently. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it, it's just it's lost that heart of true story mm. that these these films sort of always had. Um, but before we we dive into uh, the history, Will tell us today what are we drinking? Okay, so stackers, today we are drinking the Alley Cat. And the Alley Cat is 60 mils of gin, uh, just any sort of dry gin you can find. Um, Nothing flavoured, nothing sort of sweet, your traditional London dry gin. Um, 60 mils of mezcal. Now, mezcal is a type of tequila. If you don't have mezcal specifically, you can just use tequila, that's fine. So 60 mils of gin, 60 mils of tequila, um, 45 mils of dry sherry, and 45 mils of a sweet vermouth. And then on top of that, you're also going to put in eight drops of Angostura bitters. You are going to chuck those into a cocktail shaker, shake it up vigorously, and then pour it into a coupe glass. Now that should make enough for two cocktails. So share with a friend, or if you've had a really big day, drink it yourself, but drink in moderation, of course. Um, And then on top of that, you can chuck in a couple of grapefruit slices, or if you have like some dried blood orange, chuck that in. Uh, And that is the Alley Cat. That sounds delicious. Anything with gin and I'm on board. Yeah, it's a little bit sort of um, 
it's a lot bitter than any other drink I've made so far. So it's it's yeah, I I really like it. But if if bitterness isn't your thing, maybe this is a sort of one to skip. But um, yeah, no, I really like it, and that sort of mezcal adds a real smoky sort of intensity to it. So yeah, um, yes, I've I've been uh been dabbling with tequila cocktails lately, and yesterday yep. we bought some rum, so we're really oh, getting yeah. into just opening the bar book and going, oh, make that. Um, oh yeah, what sort of rum did you buy? <laughs> um. Oh, it's black and it's got like gold skulls on it. Um, I can't tell you what it is. Dead. I want to say it's like a dead man's rum or something. It's like okay, a pirate yeah. pirate play almost. Delicious. Um, it's a spiced rum. It's very oh, nice. spiced rum's amazing. Yeah, very yeah, yeah, very yeah. nice. Yeah. All very, right, very enjoy, nice. enjoy. Time for stats with stackers. It is 1970. It has been three years since The Jungle Book came out and two years since the passing of dear old Walt Disney. The music and lyrics in this movie are by the Sherman Brothers, with the exception of two of the songs, which is funny because that's literally half the songs in the movie. Thomas O'Malley yep. was written by Terry Gilkerson, and Everybody Wants to Be a Cat is by Floyd Huddleston and Al Rinker. The score is once again by George Bruns. In the cast, we've got Eva Gabor as the Duchess. We've got Phil Harris as Thomas O'Malley, who was also Baloo, Will's favourite character in the Disney universe <laughs> yeah. at the moment, in the Jungle Book. Uh, we've got Gary Dubin as Toulouse, uh, who was um, who was Punky on The Partridge Family, for those of you who enjoy a little bit of retro TV. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Um, he also grew up to be uh, a random dude who was eaten by a shark in Jaws, Jaws 2. So uh, <laughs> great actoring trajectory there. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, we've also got Paul Winchell as Shun Gon, who yep. is the very controversial Chinese cat in the movie. But very, very interestingly... Paul Winchell was the first person to build and patent a mechanical artificial heart implantable in the chest cavity. No way. He's also the original voice of Tigger. So (laughs) it's, it's a very, I had to recheck that so many times. I thought there's just no, no way. So you're telling me Tigger invented an artificial heart. Yes, he did. Cause he had a medical degree as well as being a voice actor. I'm just looking at his synopsis here. He also worked as a hypno, a hypnotist helping people (laughs) undergo surgery. (laughs) Wow. That's actually fascinating. So obviously it just was uphill for him from here. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Not a fan of the character. Big fan of him. Yeah. Uh, We've also got Sterling Holloway as rock, how do you say the rat's name? I Rockfoot. Rockfoot. Yeah. Who is the, he's not a rat. He's a mouse. Apologies. Mm. Um, we know him for, uh, from Dumbo. He was Mr. Stork. He was also the adult flower, flower in Bambi. He was the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland. Car in the Jungle Book. Rockfoot in the Aristocats and was the original voice of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, we've also got in the role of one of the geese, she plays Amelia. We've got Carol Shelley. Shelley? Shelby. Uh, she plays Amelia. We've got Carol Shelley. Now, Carol Shelley was very young when she did this film. She grew up to voice, uh, sorry, not to voice. She grew up to originate both the roles of Madame Morrible in Wicked and the grandma in the Broadway production of Billy Elliot. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, she, 
Uh, she passed away not that long ago. But yeah, when I when I read that again, I was like, what? But yeah, she was just very young when she did this film. But she is Madame Morrible, the one yeah, we right. all know and love. Okay. Yeah. And uh, on a bit of a sadder note, we've also got the final film that Bill P- Thompson ever voiced. Uh, he yeah. is in this film as Uncle Waldo, the drunk, drunk, very drunk goose. Um, and this was his final film. Now, <laughs> in my um, new tradition of making in memoriam reels, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I have put together a little reel of Bill Thompson's work for us to listen to. Oh my dear, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Very important date. No time to say hello, goodbye. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Well, Captain, it's nice to see you smiling again. <laughs> Brings back the good old days when we was leading an healthy, normal life. Scuttling ships, cutting throats. Oh, Captain, why don't we put the sea again? Tonight, we toast the future with something I've been saving for 16 years. <laughs> Here, to the future. Here's a bunny column, there's a bunny column standing in hard row. Place a bunny column on a bunny column, see the way they grow. Uh, Abigail! Amelia! <laughs> My two favourite nooses! <laughs> so, Bill Thompson was the voice of the White Rabbit and the Dodo in Alice in Wonderland, Mr. Smee and other pirates in Peter Pan, Jock the Scottish Terrier, Bull the Cockney Bulldog, Dashie the German Dashhound, Joe the Italian Cook, and the Irish Policeman in The Lady and the Tramp. And he was also the original voice of Scrooge McDuck. Oh, well, Vale a vale legend. Yeah, so very sad to uh, see him go. I, I did then jump to Is Sterling Holloway Still Alive? He um, died at the age of something like 94 or something he nearly made it to 100 wow so he's around for a long time after this movie it is sad now that we're sort of reaching the age of disney where these names that we've sort of come to know and associate Mm. with certain characters are starting to unfortunately pass away it's um yeah it's it's quite it's quite sad actually yeah we're also reaching the end of the nine old men so the nine old men were the main animators at disney from sort of you know snow white Till about now, I have a. Uh, I don't know if I'm completely right here, but I think this movie had five of them yep. involved. And after this, they all start retiring. They don't all start dying. They just all start yeah. retiring as the newbies sort of move in through the 70s and 80s in um, Disney kind of animation history, which is about to go very south very fast. Yeah. Um. So yeah, very 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 sad. Um. Songs that you will recognise from this movie are Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, which was the biggest hit from this film. And if, like me, when you were growing up, your singing teacher gave you scales and arpeggios, you'll know that one too. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, it's from this movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I came out of that scene going... Is that the because you said in the last episode it has a great song in it? I was like, is that the song that Stacey is going to think is great? Because she seems like a scales and arpeggios kind of gal. So. <laughs> I do remember singing that in like grade five or six. My singing teacher gave that to me. I used to take singing lessons with a girl named Jody, and I remember us singing that together. Um, for those of us plebs who don't really know a lot of music theory, what is an arpeggio? 
So a normal scale goes like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and an arpeggio yep. go one, three, five, eight. So it skips okay. numbers yeah, basically. Cool, cool, cool. cool. Yeah, it's, it's it's what you hear when the train's coming. Doom, 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 doom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, arriving on platform Mind two. Mind the yeah. gap. <laughs> Oh, to travel to London again. Oh, so <laughs> I just hurt ago. my heart a little. Yeah, hurt my heart again. Um, so there is no original story for me to give you today, unfortunately. Okay, yep, yep. Which is great because this morning I woke up thinking, oh, I haven't read the original book and then I remembered there isn't one. So oh, good, good. <laughs> instead I'm just going to uh, give you the breakdown of how this story came to be. B. Certainly. S- story, inverted commas. <laughs> um, so basically, um, there was a guy named Tom McGowan and he directed a bunch of animal films for Disney, live action animal films okay. um, that mostly had gone on Disney's wonderful world of colour, which right. eventually became Walt Disney's one. Oh, what was the show called? Walt Disney's wonderful world of Disney. Disney's Wonderful World of Disney. Walt's Wonderful World of Disney. It's something like that. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically Disney had asked him um, to come up with an idea for a new live action animal movie for children. Yep. And he found a book about a New York City woman leaving a fortune to kittens. And I cannot find anywhere on the internet what that book was called, hence I haven't summarized it for you because there's a lot of information that says it was based on a true story, but again, don't know what that story is. So it seems to be very confused about, you know, there seems to be sort of confused history about whether or not it was based on true events or whether or not it was based on a book. Mm. My feeling is he found the book and the book was inspired by true events. Right. Okay. Because in reality, crazy cat ladies leave their money to their cats all the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I hadn't met Tim, I can tell you now. (laughs) (laughs) And even now, I mean, Tim, (laughs) don't get complacent, buddy. (laughs) He's going to become the butler in this film. Yeah, Yeah, so basically he thought that book would make for a great film and he sent it off to a man named Thomas Rowe or Tom Rowe Mm -hmm. to flesh it out. So it was Tom McGowan's idea and then he sent it to Tom Rowe to make into a, a movie story. Yeah. Okay. Um, they thought it was set in New York, so they thought London was a really cool, cool location for 101 Dalmatians. Yeah. So they put this story in Paris because they thought it would just give it a bit of an edge instead of setting it in America. Yeah. Disney then bought the rights to this story, so Tom Rowe wrote it, sent it in, Disney bought the rights. Yeah. They spent two years writing and rewriting it, and it was going to be a two-part live-action film to be shown on Disney's wonderful world of color. Yeah. And after two years, they decided it wasn't getting anywhere and they shelved it. And at this point, Tom McGowan asked to buy the rights back off Disney because he wanted to direct it with you know, someone else, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And Disney said no. So it just sat on the shelf for a while. <laughs> we can't even blame Walt Disney for this now. Like, <laughs> he's gone. And in 1963... They were short on animation ideas and Walt Disney said, oh, what about that Aristocats film that we were playing around with? All right, sorry, and so, so this they is still pulled that out. Alive. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that was in 63. So he yeah. pulled that out and said, why don't we make this a, like, a, a an animation instead of a live action? Mm. And, and so they started writing that. And this ended up being a collaboration between Walt Disney, 
Tom McGowan and another dude whose name I didn't write down, unfortunately. But basically they came up with the story and then yeah. and then Tom Rowe tried to sue them because they had changed his story so much. They'd made so many amendments that he was like, that's not my story. You can't do that and tried to sue them. And he lost that case. Yeah. And then... It was put on the back burner whilst a few other things started happening, you know, Mary Poppins, Jungle Book, whatever. And so by the time they they get going on this, Walt Disney has now passed away and then they further yeah. edited it. So what we've got now um, is very absent of a lot of the ideas that were even in that version of the story. I think um, Walt had a lot more story <laughs> and yeah, they kind yeah. of cut a lot of it out and said, oh, let's just make it kind of like 101 Dalmatians meets Lady and the Tramp, which is exactly what we've got. We've got a mother and her kittens. They get lost. They're trying to get home. There's the 101 Dalmatians element. Then she meets a slick alley cat who at one point, don't the kids say, they called us a tramp. There's there's something like that. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, Who are you (laughs) calling a tramp? We get it. We get it. And he's going to show them the cool life and it's sort of Lady and the Tramp with, you know, babies. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's why the the story's just a bit of a hot mess. I think yeah. um, there's a real. It's really clear they're just they're lost. They're lost without him. Well, I mean, you get you you look at the credited writers list, and there are nine credited writers. Like, it, there's a lot. It's mm. it has touched a lot of hands. Yeah, and yeah. Um, you are not going to find you're not going to get something cohesive from that. No, certainly not something that has anything any of the sort of artistry you're looking for no and i think it's just it's just sad i think it just shows that he was sort of the linchpin that kept it all together Mm. despite being a little bit of a tyrant he (laughs) he did force sort of good good work in a lot of ways Mm. and without him it just seems like they they went oh i don't know we got a lot of cuts let's let's just make it cute and yeah yeah put together a bunch of it's sort of like one guy goes what about if there were geese? Yeah, write that one. What about if there were dogs? Yeah, write that one. And they just slap yeah. it together and go, there's a movie. Yeah, I think, question mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you sort of, like you, you say that it goes into a bit of a nosedive after this. So it's, it sort of takes them almost, in that case, it takes them almost 20 years to really mm. find their feet again and find what works for them. I mean, not quite, yeah. maybe 15 years, but yeah, like certainly a long time where they're just sort of stumbling around trying to find a footing to make Disney work again. Yeah, and there's a lot of tensions between the old guys and the new guys. The Sherman brothers leave mm. leave Disney after this movie because they, they, they're just not happy with the way that they're being treated anymore. Um, yeah. This was the last film that they did, although Bedknobs and Broomsticks comes out after this, but they'd finished their work on it before they left. So they basically... Wrapped up on bed knobs, yeah. wrapped up on Aristocats, and left Disney. And we don't see them again until the Tigger movie, which is in the two thousands, I think. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So year two, yeah, two thousand. Yeah. So long time, long time. A lot Far of bridges out. burned, I think. Here, mm. in um in two thousand and five, they planned a sequel that was going to be produced by Disney Toon Studios. Ah. <laughs> it had a fantastic plot where. Um, Marie falls in love with another kitten on a cruise ship. So oh. she's still she's still a kitten, uh, but she they go on a cruise ship, don't know how they got there, and she falls in love with a kitten. 
Um, but then John Lasseter took over Disney and <laughs> said, enough with the sequels. No more straight to DVD sequels. And that was the end of that. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it wouldn't have been a great sequel, I don't think. No. No. I mean, none of the sequels are great, even though, you know, Cinderella 3, which, you know, we said on our <laughs> Patreon, was, was pretty watchable. None of them are great. So no, no big loss there. No big loss. This movie also hasn't been, like, really popular in the Disney canon. Like, when you see, like, reflections on the history of Disney, history of Disney animation, history of Disney music, you don't really ever see the Aristocats come up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could sort of say the same for The Sword and the Stone, although I know that Madame Morrible, Madame Mim imagery comes up a bit when I think of animation because I knew that image. I was like, I don't know this film, but I know that snake image. Yeah. Whereas this, um, it just... They don't really use them much in the parks. They do a bit in Paris, mm. um, but it's kind of been buried, except there is one place in the world where Marie, the white cat, is a massive hit and is still on merchandise everywhere. Name the country. Uh, I'm going to say, like, Japan? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she looks kind of anime. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you could see it fitting, not stylistically, I guess, but you could see it fitting in a similar canon to Hello Kitty because that's Kitty, a very big yeah. over there. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's another cute cat with a bow in her hair. Absolutely, so. <laughs> yeah. She's still big in Japan. Yeah, okay, yeah. So <laughs> that's, like, the, the long-lasting character from this film, despite the fact she, like, does nothing in the film. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she nearly drowns. I think my, my biggest problem with this is, is his name Edgar, the butler? Yeah. Yeah. So he he hears he's not going to inherit the... Oh, he's going to inherit the fortune after the cats. And then yeah. he goes, cats live forever. So I'm not going to... I'm going to be dead before I inherit that fortune. So he immediately jumps to, I've got to kill all the cats. Now, can we just point out that she's not dead yet? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that was my biggest problem and Angie's biggest problem as well. We both sort of turn to each other at the same time and goes, he needs to wait until she dies. Yeah, and then you can just chuck him in the oven and be done. Like- yeah, like if that's what you want to do, okay, wait until she's dead. Yeah, and then there's like two, no, three points where he very easily could kill the cats. The first is put poison in the milk instead of whatever kind of sedative he puts in there. Yeah. Uh, second is he goes, <laughs> his bike falls in the lake. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, just leave him there, yeah. drown the kittens, <laughs> done. Yeah. And the third one is he puts them in the oven. Yeah, Turn it on, yeah, done. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't understand. It's just the stupidest villain. It's so, <laughs> it's so thin. Like he's not even like a villain, villain. It's yeah. just, yeah, no, nah, I, I... <laughs> no, no, that's fair, that's fair. Although that image of him when he is in the, uh, in the river and he's like being chased by the dogs and he's going around the bridge, yeah. that's quite funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't make a lot of sense at all. Um, there was a character that was cut. Uh, from the movie, and I couldn't find a lot of information on it, but uh, the character's name was Elmira, and um, Elmira was going to be a maid that worked for ma- uh, Madame um, Madame Bonfamille as well. She was there instead of the butler, yeah? Or was no, she, she there was there, as there well? with the butler. Oh, okay. Um, but my understanding was, and again, I haven't been able to find a lot of confirmation, but my understanding of it was that Elmira was also going to inherit some of the fortune and sort of huh. set Edgar up to do it. Right. But then her character was cut from the movie and it just became Edgar is the bad guy, basically. Yeah. yeah. I just found him annoying in all aspects. Like, if you want to kill the cats, it's a two-second job. Why do we mm. need to spend an hour watching you just fail at something so so simple, inverted commas? Yeah. 
while she's alive. It's not like you're going to kill the cats and she'll be like, oh, well, fortune's yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, like, his his justification that he's lost his hat and his umbrella, so he needs to go back and get those. Yeah. It's very strange. Like, why? why? How are they traced to you? Yeah. And also, why? Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No. And then they have to get home, but it's almost like they've landed in a different country. Mm. And then at the end, they get home in like two seconds. Yeah. Like, oh, well, we're out. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I expected. Because, like, I mean, 101 Dalmatians does that a little bit better, I think, where it's like they're in, you know, rural England and then they're in rural England for quite some time. Mm. And then they only really come back to London at the very end. Whereas, um, you know, they have a little bit of adventure with the train and all that sort of stuff after they meet Thomas O'Malley. Uh, mm. They, he, you know, he almost drowns in the river, but then he's saved by the geese. And then the geese are like, okay, follow us. And then we're back in Paris. Yeah. Like there's just it's, no time at all. It's so weird. And a problem that I had with this, uh, the music in this film, well, some of the music in this film, because I'm very confused about what style we're going with. Yeah. Jazz... This is set in 1910. Jazz wasn't introduced to France until World War One. Yeah, so right. So for okay. jazz to be kind of a really big turning point in this film. Yeah. Mm. So basically African-American soldiers brought jazz to France during World War One. Okay. And it took off. And all of a sudden we had all these French musicians. And jazz is still pretty big in France today. Yeah. And... Then the French decided to alter a few things to make it like a little more French so they could own, you know, their version of jazz. And then when um, in World War Two they were um, invaded by Nazi Germany mm. and they quickly, uh, the Nazis want to ban jazz because it's, you know, associated, you know, African-American, any, any African-Americans in um, France had to flee or hide. And the music yeah. was still really big. So the the Nazis wanted to stop the music and the French convinced them that it was the patriotic music of France and that yeah. there was nothing political about it and that was the traditional music of France and it could be, like, um, used to, like, celebrate. They, they made up this whole story yeah, yeah. <laughs> to allow them to keep producing jazz music during, you know, <laughs> the occupation of France. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, that, that's fast-forwarding in history. In 1910, that wasn't there. That's not a thing. Yeah, that is interesting then, because, yeah, this movie does range in styles. It is a little bit confused in terms of what music it wants to play, because the Aristocats, the title song, is like almost like a sort of French ballad you know it's like yeah. it's got the the um accordion it's like it's very it sounds very french almost like in the way that bella notte sounded italian when we had that in lady in the tramp you know mm. scales and arpeggios isn't jazz at all thomas o'malley cat isn't jazz really yeah i think that's a swing number so yeah it's kind of swing it's not really jazz but then we have like Everybody wants to be a cat, which is this jazz banger <laughs> that, like, you know, six part jazz epic. I just, I think it shocked me how little music is in this film. And then mm. to see that the Sherman brothers are credited with writing the music when they only wrote literally half the songs. Yeah. And the biggest hit song from this movie isn't theirs. Yeah. Yeah. So they wrote the Aristocats and Scales and Arpeggio. Which is which are the two most underwhelming songs in this film? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Aristocats has some really interesting lyric lyricisms and like little um, like intricacies in music that I really liked, mm. but it's not a, it's not a memorable banger at all. Mm. And Scales no. and Arpeggios, I think is a little bit more memorable, but it's not really anything. No, it's a very nothing song. And then yeah. Thomas O'Malley Cat, which is sung by Phil Harris, who was the voice of Baloo, yeah. is written by Terry Gilkerson, yeah. who wrote Bare Necessities. Yeah, and the entirety of that Jungle Book soundtrack until they cut it all except Bare Necessities yeah. for being too dark. Yeah, so I guess like that maybe helps make sense of this whole The Sherman Brothers left on yeah, sort yeah. of bad grounds because they weren't happy with how they were being treated. I yeah. guess, you know, this probably doesn't help. Yeah. I mean, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to it when we get to songs from the cutting room floor, but they wrote the whole, they wrote a whole soundtrack for this movie, which was then cut down and cut down and cut down and changed and all that sort of stuff. So almost, you know, the opposite to the jungle book where they came in and replaced everything except for one song. People came in and replaced, you know, everything except for the two songs that they wrote. Mm. Interesting. Well, mm. speaking of the music, shall we dive in? Uh, yeah, look, let's uh, let's take a quick break and then when we come back, we will dive right in. Hi guys, it's Will here. I just want to take a moment to talk to you about Patreon. We uh, <laughs> love all of the very special people who come and contribute to us making a better show. We've got some exciting offers like bonus episodes and even some merch added there. So uh, if you can, it'd be great if you can head on over and contribute to our show so we can make things bigger and better. Of course, if you can't contribute to our show right now, that's okay. You can just share the love by sharing us with your family and friends. Thanks so much for the support guys now back to the show that is incredible i think i'm gonna take that and i'm going to just cut a little clip and just put it on our feed because that's fucking fantastic here's stacker's best attempt at will They show aristocratic bearing when they're seen upon an airy An aristocratic flair in what they do and what they say Aristocrats are never found in alleyways Or hanging around the garbage cans where common kitties play Oh no! Alright, so that was the Aristocats The Aristocats Aristocats Far out. That was the Aristocats, the title song to the Aristocats. What do you think of it, Will? I really like it. I know I, I said that very carefully. I didn't mean it. To, like, <laughs> I really, I actually quite like it. I think that it is a really, really, uh, I think it's quite beautiful. I think the, the melody of it is quite nice. Um, and I think the lyrics do some really interesting things, which I know I I frothed about in um, you know the bare necessities. bare necessities, and also when we talked about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, oh, I can't remember which song it was specifically. I think it might have been Toot Sweet or something like that, where they have this sort of like clever lyrics that work really well together. And I think the Aristocats song does that well. Let me just pull up the lyrics because there's a specific example I want to mention. Uh, he sings. They show aristocratic bearing when a when they're seen upon an airing and aristocratic flair in what they do and what they say. And I think that that rhyming sort of pattern of bearing, airing, flair in is really, really clever. 
Mm. Um, and I really, really like it. And I, I think it, it does that a few times throughout the, the song. Um, it does it in French. It does it in English. Um, so, yeah, I, I really, really like the lyrics of this song. And I think the melody is lovely. But in yeah. terms – so, yeah, what, what are your sort of first thoughts? Yeah, I think um, – I think Robert Sherman's done a really good job with the lyrics on this as well. I agree with you. And I think it's it succeeds at being very French. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I thought it was it was cute. The lyrics were clever. It's very French. The end. Yeah, um, fair. There is a there is a sad side to this song. Yeah, sure. So this is sung by Maurice Chevalier, who was a very famous French singer. I think he was known as the French singer. Yeah, okay. And he was retired by this point. And Richard Sherman sent him a demo of the title song. They kind of wrote it with him in mind. They wanted something that was, I quote, super French. And they thought, you know, he's the perfect person to do it. He's a very famous French singer. Um, We want him to do it. So Richard Sherman recorded himself impersonating Maurice Chevalier and sent it to him. Yeah. He said, this is the song I pretend to be you. You're the only person we want to sing this. And they sent it to him and he came out of retirement and sang it. Okay. And um, unfortunately, the the reason that he'd retired is because he was severely depressed. And um, in the... So this film came out and three months later, Maurice Chevalier um, attempted suicide. Oh, no. And there's something really tragic about... I mean, you know, suicide is awful, but... And you see this a lot in older, you know, older stories of suicide where it fails and then they live for a, a quite a long time after that in various degrees of, you know, very traumatic health conditions until they finally pass away. So he attempted suicide and he lived for another year Oof. before he finally passed away and he had all sorts of organ failures and, and horrible things. Jesus. So this was his last ever recording yeah. that he made. Um, but very, very tragic life. And I, I feel like there was something similar with someone else we did in a previous um, previous movie where, again, they'd they'd attempted suicide and then, you know, their life was saved in inverted commas and they lived with some sort of brain damage until they, they passed away. And, um, yeah, very, very sad. But this was, his, this was his last recording and he does a great job. Mm, yeah. Something interesting I read about um, Maurice Chevalier, which um, I think will come up again when we cover that episode, but Lumiere was actually based quite heavily on him. Oh, um, really? Yeah, his face, his voice was stylistically modelled after Maurice Chevalier, Chevalier. And um, even like the way that more, um, Lumiere wears there's like an extinguisher or something that he wears tilted on his head. That oh, yeah, is, yeah. Uh, like There's a trademark of Maurice Chevalier. He wears like a hat tilted yes, like that. Yes, he did. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's an interesting little factoid that I oh, found. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, that's really quite sad. Um, it's um, And I think, yeah, you're right. He does a beautiful job singing this song. It's a, I really, really like this song. I, yeah, I might as well. well. I might as well give you my you ratings it? for it, actually. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I rated it uh, four for music. Mm-hmm. A five for lyrics. Yep. Uh, a zero for animation because it falls into the same problem that we have with a lot of these opening songs is that it's just credits. Mm. And so there's nothing interesting we can say about the animation. It's just yeah. credits. Um, I gave it a three for contribution yep. because I think it sets up quite well what an Aristocat is. You know, for young people who might not know that it's a play on Aristocrat, 
it at least paints a very unique picture as to what, you know, Aristocats are and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yep. And then I gave it a two for cake score. Alrighty. Um, I, I didn't rate it quite as highly. Five for lyrics. You're just, you're big on the lyrics bandwagon at the moment. Yeah. I think um. if it does something really interesting with rhyme or with, um, what's the word I'm trying to say? Like, uh. Alliteration. Alliteration, yeah, but also like when we, t- you know, when we think about um, iambic pentameter in Shakespeare being like a, a words to a beat and things like that. I think if it does interesting things on interesting beats in the music, mm. I'll find the word I'm trying to find um, at some point. Um, meter, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like when it does something interesting with the meter of the the words, I think that for me really hits a a, a, a soft spot where I go, yeah, that's that's very clever. And I need to give that a five. I think, was it Hicketus Figatus where I had to like push you to up your lyric score? I think so, yes. Yeah. And I was like, yes. Come on, they're so cool. <laughs> Only because Hicketus Figatus was largely made up words. Yeah, but isn't that fun? It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could be a brilliant poet if I just made up every word, you know? You could like... be a brilliant poet. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, so I gave this. Three for music, three for lyrics. Yeah. I thought it was, you know, very French and very cool, but it didn't wow me. I gave it one for animation. Um, I think the problem is the the credits usually are very pretty. And especially yeah. the credits in 101 Dalmatians are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, With yes. The, no, the you're spots. right. Yeah, yeah. And this was like watching the sketchbook just flick through with the, yeah. like, the pencil drawings of the cats. And then the... the the credits just kind of chucked on top in a boring font. I just, uh, I gave it one because there is like hand-drawn animation in it, but yeah, blah. It was so mm. blah. Speaking um, of hand, uh, sorry, I'll let you finish this first. Oh, uh, contribution to story, I gave two and cake score, I gave zero because I can't sing it for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, speaking of the hand-drawn uh, animation and stuff. This is another example of just beautiful hand-drawn animation. And again, it, it, it could be maybe because, I don't know, maybe they were trying to save costs or something, but there seems to be a lot more unfinished sketches in this movie. Like a lot of mo- movements, particularly with um, Madame Bonfamille, um, her hair, the way that like when she turns, you can see all the little like sketch lines through her hair and stuff. And I think it's quite lovely. Just a little tidbit yeah. I wanted to add. Yeah. It's funny because I, I go the total opposite way. I think this looks a lot like 101 Dalmatians, like this style. You can see they went they went back Yeah. on onto Walt's gone because Walt Disney hated the animation 101 Dalmatians, remember? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, he's gone, let's do it. Um, yeah, yeah. And you don't have that weird jarring thing that we had in Jungle Book. Yes. Um, But I think it just is boring. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fair. I loved it in 101 Dalmatians. I thought it was cool and like, you know, very for character I say designs, retro, but for know, character designs, I certainly agree with you. I think that the the um the like watercolory uh, backdrops and stuff that there was throughout the movie are really stunning overall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, and again, Angie turned to me and said, "Is this are these the same artists as 101 Dalmatians? Because it does look a lot like 101 Dalmatians." There's a lot of copy and paste. Yeah, when we talked about a like lot. the sort of the blocky style of coloring and things like that. Mm. Yeah, certainly see a lot of that here. There was a scene actually that jumped out at me when they're on the truck 
and the kitten falls off. Yeah. And the cat runs, drops the kitten off and is hanging on. I was like, that is straight out of 101 Dalmatians. And then I opened 101 Dalmatians and went to that scene. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think there's a lot of that in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, it's just very uninspired kind of movie. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of uninspired, let's move on to the second song, Scales and Arpeggios. You know, when you're growing up and you're learning piano... <laughs> the bane of your existence is scales and arpeggios. Okay, yeah. Like, you would rather chew foil, set yourself on fire, and walk over hot coals before you practice your scales. <laughs> and then on top of that, as a piano teacher, the most, like, tedious thing in the world is watching your students play scales that they haven't practiced. So, like, <laughs> karma has come back around. But, oh, my God. Like, I just don't need a song about it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's funny you say that because I'm actually uh, I'm teaching myself keyboard in lockdown or piano in lockdown, and I have not touched any (laughs) scales. So (laughs) maybe that's where I'm going wrong. (laughs) (laughs) This song is a thing. It's a thing. This is the song I remembered most coming into this movie. Really? Yeah, I I had seen this movie as a child. I think we owned it on VHS at some point. So, like, mid to late 90s, I probably saw this movie. And I don't think I've seen it since then. But for some reason, this song stuck out to me. Particularly when Toulouse jumps on the piano and starts doing the bum, 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 bum. <laughs> like that, that, in particular, stuck out to me quite a bit. Yeah. I, I realised I'd never seen this film before. Yep. So this is the second one Wow. next okay. to Sword in the Stone. Yeah. I'd, I've never seen either of these films, which is weird because I feel like I've seen all of the Disney movies, but no, I've seen all the princess movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, it frustrated me and I get we're only in 1970, technically the 60s when this is drawn. Yeah. And I get we're nowhere near something like Coco. Yeah. But watching blatant misanimation of instruments yeah, being played. yeah. yeah. It is like there are bits of this piano playing that are not even vaguely in the ballpark of what you're hearing. And yeah. it, it just, yeah, that's why I gave it a, let's have a look, a, oh, I gave it a one for animation because I was going to give it a zero. Okay. And then I was like, well, the paint thing's kind of funny. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, oh, it was like a <laughs> one, but you're lucky. You're lucky. Um, I gave this a one for music because it is basic yeah uh like it's very you'd you hear it and you go oh there's very tricky little piano things yeah it's all just like very inspired by bloody mozart and you know there's nothing there's nothing groundbreaking about what you're hearing okay um lyrics are 1.5 because i was like i guess writing lyrics to a song that's literally about tech work yeah yeah. Here's a challenge. Um, I give it a one for animation, a zero for contribution to story, because <laughs> if this song was missing, you wouldn't notice. Yeah. And a one for cake, purely because I learned it as a kid, and so it's just hard to say I don't remember it. Yeah. Okay. I I was a little kinder to it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I gave it a three for music. Uh, what? I, yeah, 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 yeah. How? 
I guess you could make the argument that it's not really a song that they've written. It is just scales and arpeggios that they've sort of stuck together. But I think there is something sort of pretty in it still. Um, Maybe I'm being a little bit kind with a three, uh, but I I probably wouldn't rate it at a one. It'd be either a three or a two. Whoa, okay. Um, So I'm I'm probably being a little bit kind, but I'll I'll stick with it. Uh, I gave it a two for lyrics. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a three for animation because... Yes, the piano thing bothered me as well, but I really just liked that they were all doing something. And then I really, something in me finds the the, the animation of the paint really fast, really satisfying. Mm. It just looks goopy and um, like very paint like. I really, really like that. Although goopy I, animation. Bonus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although it did sort of make me go ooh when Toulouse jumps on the piano with painted paws and starts hitting keys. I was like. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> um, I gave it a zero for contribution. Yeah. Only because it does, it only, the only sort of thing it contributes to the story is that it shows the privilege of the cats as opposed to us hearing about it in the Aristocats. So the Aristocats sort of set it up nicely, their privilege and, and everything that they are. This, this only showed it, so it didn't really add anything to the story. So that's why I gave it a zero. Anyway, that's a very long way of me saying yep. I gave it zero for contribution. Um, and I gave it long a... Long th- way of saying it's completely inconsequential. Yeah. <laughs> and I gave it a three for cake score. Three? Yeah, because I remembered it. I remembered it. I remembered the tune. I remembered some of the words. Not enough to give it a four or a five, but enough that when it came on, I was like, I know this song. They're just... Our scores are so different. Yeah. Our scores are so different. You gave that song an 11. I gave it four and a half. Wow. Total. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but this is why it's not just you or just me hosting this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, on to the next song. So that is, that's that's the end of the Sherman Brothers there. Yeah, that's the they, end. they tap out. They have um, some songs from the cutting room floor, which we'll actually get to right now. We'll get to two of them. Songs from the cutting room floor. Songs from the cutting room. Songs from the cutting room. Songs from the cutting room floor. Yeah. All right. So the first song from the cutting room floor is called, and now I'm going to mispronounce this because my French is horrible. It is pourquoi? Pourquoi? I think. Pourquoi? Pourquoi? My days are filled with happy and happy things to do. Because I have someone like you. Oh, that's sweet. It is sweet, yeah. And it's basically, uh, like I think I said it earlier, it's sung by Madame Bonfamille. She's basically singing about um, why she loves her cats so much and all that sort of stuff. And I, I think the little pourquoi things that we hear popping in, I believe that is um, Duchess sort of joining in on the song with Oh, her. I thought she was like singing along to the radio. No, no. No. Right, right. So yeah, that's um, that's pourquoi. Oh, that's, that's sweet. It is sweet, and it makes me wonder why they cut a lot of these. But I guess when you've gone through, you know, seven, what, what did I say earlier, nine writers, um, yeah. things are just going to get cut things for seemingly cut no reason. Um, so that's pourquoi. But that brings us to the second of our two songs, which is the song that was cut because the character was cut, the Edgar, <laughs> Edgar and um, El Elmira. Almira. How much you mean to me. I don't know why I'm making the most of it. Almira. Almira. <laughs> Do you know how much, how very, very much you mean to me? Do you know how much, 
how rich, how very, very rich are lives. Good beach, I value you, I prize you, and that is why I'm brave. I alone know what you're worth, my dear. I'd die if I would lose you. So, yeah, that's, that's the Sherman Brothers. That's the Sherman Brothers singing that demo, yeah. Aww. So that song, even though I found a, a thing that indicated that Elmira was really behind the, the kidnapping of the cats and Edgar was just sort of a pawn, that song sort of leads me to believe that that's not the case because he's sort of singing about how he wants to marry her so that he has access essentially to the share of the wealth that she is going to get. Yeah. Um, and she's sort of saying, oh, you know, I know what you're up to type thing. Yeah, that's really cute. It's very like bougie French. Mm. It, it makes a mu- it makes much more sense musically than the songs that are left to review in this film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really sweet. Yeah. So that's uh, that's um, how much you mean to me slash caught me slowly. But that brings us to the uh, third song uh, that actually appears in the movie. Thomas O'Malley Cat. I like the chicha chicha roni, like they make at home, or a healthy fish with the big backbone. I'm Abraham de Lacey. Giuseppe Casey. Thomas O'Malley. O'Malley the Alley Cat. It's, 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 it's fun. It's fine. I think the biggest strength of it is Phil Harris singing it. I think Phil Harris has a, has a great voice. And I think yeah. that we have- Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Hang on. <laughs> Hold on to your seats, everyone. Um, no, like, I think he sang, obviously he sang Bare Necessities really well. I think he sings this really well. I think he's got a, yeah, I think he's got a great voice. Um, mm. I just think the song is a little bit lackluster. Yeah. Again, it was a song that just didn't need, all of these songs, all of them. Yeah. Uh, Really, if you took them out, it wouldn't make a lick of difference to this non-existent story. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's because there is no story. So, like, the songs can't really help progress it because Mm. there's no story. The only song that would have been relevant is if Edgar sang one about everybody wants to kill the cats. Like, Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That would make sense. (laughs) But there's nothing. There's nothing. (laughs) Yeah, well, what did you rate Thomas O'Malley Cat? I gave this a two for music. 1.5 1.5 for lyrics, 1.5 for animation, 0.5 mm. for contribution to story, yeah, yeah. and zero for cake score. Wow. All right. Yeah. I just, I I thought the, the music was cool but derivative. I thought, um, yeah, you know, it's kind of like we get the tramps a tramp without him singing about it. Yeah. I think the biggest thing with, Thomas O'Malley is if we look at the comparisons between him and uh, what is what's the tramp's name from um, Lady in the Tramp? Does he have a name or is it just? Does tramp? he have a name? Yeah, I always want to call him Jock, but Jock's the Scottish no. terrier. Okay, let's just let's just call him Tramp. If we look at the the comparisons between the two, the Tramp is actively against being owned by a human. Thomas O'Malley mentions a couple of times that humans don't really care about their animals, but he doesn't like, he's pretty on board with just being wherever Duchess and the kittens are, you know, like he, he seems very sold to them straight, pretty much straight away. Um, so uh, yeah. And I think that this song paints him to be a little bit more of a loner than he actually is. Yeah. I think they're just, they're just trying to make him the tramp. Yeah. Yeah, and they're not really doing it 
successfully, in my personal opinion. No, and they do the whole, like, eyes thing, which you see in Lady in the Tramp. The fuck eyes, yeah, yeah. You know, then he takes her to his cool place, like mm. the Tramp takes her to the train yard. Yeah. Um, and then there's a jazzy song, like there's a jazzy song in Lady in the Tramp, and then he takes her home, and as soon as he leaves, she gets in trouble, just like Lady in the Tramp. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the same story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, what did you rate it? I rated it at a three for music, mm-hmm. a two for lyrics, mm-hmm. a two for animation, mm-hmm. a two for contribution, mm-hmm. and a one for cake score. Yeah, we're, I'm. my scores are so much lower than yours consistently in this movie. <laughs> Maybe I was in a bad mood. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just thought this whole thing was blah. Yeah. Um, Maybe it was. Like, I was in a good mood yesterday, you know. I went out for a picnic in the sun and I just came home and I was like, yeah, let's watch this movie. <laughs> Even though, I was like, I ate too much cheese yesterday, so I was feeling a bit No like, such thing. Blasphemy. Oh. No such thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe it is partly to do with it. I don't know. But yeah, that's uh, Thomas O'Malley. Now, this brings us to um, the next in our songs from the cutting room floor. Songs from the cutting room, songs from the cutting room, songs from the cutting room, songs from the cutting Which is called My Way's the Highway. Now, this is essentially the song that was, this version of the song that was written by the Sherman Brothers, which was then replaced by Thomas O'Malley, Cat. My way's the highway Under the beautiful skyway On my own a rolling stone, that's me My way's the highway Even a desolate byway Fascinates my curiosity They really did the Shermans wrong in this movie. They did, yeah. And you can totally understand why they went, Nah, fuck it, I'm out. These songs are good. They're, they're a little bit samey, mm. but they're very on the money with being just bougie French. Yeah. Like they get the theme. And you can imagine what it would sound like filled out by an orchestra, like, you know, yeah. and and properly sung by Phil Harris and the rest of the cast. I am stunned that this is the choices that they made for this movie. Wow. That's crazy. Mm. So that's my way or the, my way's the highway. Sorry. Yeah. What a shame. What an absolute shame. I think the lyrics of that song sort of give a better overall indication as to who Thomas O'Malley is as a cat. Because yep. he does say, you know, someday, I'm going to get the lyrics wrong, but it was something to the effect of someday I might meet a lady who makes me want to stay, but I'm not really interested in marrying. Like, it sort of, I don't know, it gives you a bit more of a, he's a bachelor cat who... You know. I just was thinking you were going to say, one day I'll meet a lady who makes me want to stay be. And I was like, oh, God, you hate made up words. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, that's my ways the highway. Okay, that takes us to our final song yep. of the movie, which is perhaps the most well-known slash controversial. Yes. Everybody wants to be a cat. Everybody wants to be a cat. Goes against the only cat. Alright, so everybody wants to be a cat. What a bop. Yeah, look, it is. It's a it's an absolute bop. There is unfortunately a small section with some problematic lyrics and problematic characterization. Uh-huh. But the song overall is really good. Yeah. Um, oh, it's funny how I said, you know, this this never comes up when you're reflecting on Disney. 
except the image of that Chinese cat playing the yes. piano with chopsticks. That comes yes. up. Yes, yeah. But otherwise, yeah. you don't... Nothing else from this movie has lived on. No. Um... Yeah, look, I really like this song and it takes, it's like in a couple of acts almost because it starts off very sort of slow jazz and then it turns into like this big swing jazz number and then mm. it sort of comes back into sort of slow jazz, I think. Um, just to- Yeah, there's that weird section with the harp. If you want to turn me on, play your horn, don't spare the tone, and blow a little soul into the tune. Yes, yeah, that's right. Duchess plays the harp. Yeah, she does that B section. Gives everyone kind of weird. the eyes, and yeah. um, Thomas O'Malley in particular. And then... Uh, yeah, and then it gets back into sort of like really fast swing jazz. Everybody, everybody. I love the the animation of them. They're all on the piano. Yeah. And then the piano falls yeah, through yeah, the floors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. falling down the How cool is it? And then they all come out with their broken instruments and they're still yeah. going. That yeah. is really cool. And that sort of adds to the, the sort of slapsticky nature that I like about this movie. Like that's just another in, in like another instance of where I think it really works. Yeah. So Did it make you uh did it make you think of any anyone in particular? Uh, did Scat Cat, sorry, I should say. Did Scat Cat Louis make Armstrong. You- yeah. Yeah. So, uh, not Louis Armstrong. This is voiced by Scatman Crothers. However, originally intended for Louis Armstrong to voice this character. Interesting. So, uh, King Louis in The Jungle Book yep. was meant to be Louis Armstrong and they decided that would be racially inappropriate and made other racially inappropriate choices mm. instead. Um, he did the worst they- thing to try and fix it, boys. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, they made this character mm. and intended for him to be voiced by Louis Armstrong, which is why he plays the trumpet as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, Louis yeah. Louis Armstrong cool. was a really incredible trumpeter. Unfortunately, adding to the s- sadness that enshrouds this film, L- Louis Armstrong was close to dying uh, when this yeah. was being recorded. So he was incredibly unwell, um, had had all kinds of health complications, and he's his doctors had been telling him, you have to stop touring, you have to stop playing. And he defied them over and over and over and over again, um, made his condition gradually worse and worse and worse, and he unfortunately passed away the year after this film came mm, out. That's a shame, yeah. So they had to pick someone else because he was too unwell. And I must say, Scatman Crothers does a wicked job. Yeah, does he this. Does he naturally sound a little bit like Louis Armstrong or was he putting it yeah. on? Yeah, he doesn't play the trumpet. Yeah. But no, he was a he was a singer. Because I know Scatman well. Crothers was in um, The Shining, which mm. I remember him from. But it's been so long since I've watched that that I don't really remember what he sounds like in it. So yeah, yeah. Now that that's him. I think he does a great job, and good on them for finally, finally casting someone of color to to align with a character that is clearly meant to be yeah. someone of color. Like it's just it's just such a jam, and it's so unfortunate that then they sideline that with a um, Chinese, uh, he's like a Siamese cat 
playing the piano with chopsticks and making some stupid racial Just say, uh, yeah, very sort of stereotypically Chinese words that don't really, I don't think are actually, Chinese. like it talks about like um, uh, egg foo yong or something like that. And it just seems like a really odd choice. Firstly, that um, if we just take away the the sort of that sort of racially insensitive bit for a second, they've cast uh, an African American to play the cat that is obviously supposed to be an African American cat. They've cast an Italian to play the Italian cat. They've cast, um, I believe, they've cast a British. Yeah, they've 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 cast someone British to play the British cat. They haven't cast a Russian to play the Russian cat. So to sort of go, yeah, okay, look, the Russian cat and the Chinese cat, we'll just get white people to just put on a voice. Because, mm. yeah, like you said, the guy's name is Paul Winchell. Um, he did quite a bit of stuff. He also, as you said, invented the, um, the, for, the you know, a mechanical artificial heart. Uh, and he was a ventriloquist. So, yeah, it just seems like an icky odd choice. Why? Yeah, you know? it's so unfortunate because it just mars this song. But I must, I must, because I do this every time, um, just point out there is once again an absolute kick-ass version of this song. Of course. In Disney's On The Record. A square with a horn makes you wish that you weren't born every time he plays. But with a square in the act, you can set music back. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That's awesome. It's so great. And they mix it in with a bit of the Siamese cat song and the Tiki Room. Mm. The Just the arrangement, especially just of the everybody wants to be a cat, it turns into this big, like, you get that very gospel ending that's in the film. It's so cool. Anyway. Love it. Love the song. What'd you score it? Love the song. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I scored it. Where is it? There it is. I scored it four for music, a Mm -hmm. four for lyrics, Mm -hmm. a four for animation, Mm-hmm. A two for contribution mm-hmm. and a four for cake. Yeah, cool. Mm. So I gave this very similar. I gave it four and a half for music. I wanted to give it a five, but there's just some of the voices in it I just don't like. I hate that Mari joins in and yeah. I don't know. Mm. I, if it was all Scat Cat, it'd be five. But yeah, the voices kind of annoy me. Yep. Um, four for lyrics, three for animation. Zero for contribution. Okay. Again, if it was missing, would you know? Like the 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 song is the scene, and you take that out, and nothing happens to the film. No, <laughs> you're right because they were coming back to the house, and then after the song, they're being put to bed. So if you take out that song, yeah, literally nothing changes. We nothing don't learn happens. anything new about Thomas. No. The only thing it adds. And I think the only reason why I gave it two is because it introduces characters that are going to help save them at the end. Yeah. That's the only reason why I gave it a two. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I, I appreciate and understand what you're saying. Yep. And- <laughs> now you've got your teacher on. Hang on. Here we go. <laughs> Um, and I gave it a three for cake score. I just, uh, I never remember that B section. Yeah. Um, which I can't even sing off the top of my head now, but it's, it's the bit that she sings in the middle. Yeah. Um, that's the bit I forget yeah, I too. I sort of, 
Yeah, I remember the opening bit and then that's it. And it's probably because I sing it at Layla all the time. Yeah. Like, everybody wants to be a cat. So, <laughs> but then I couldn't sing the whole thing for you. No, you're right. That's the reason why I didn't give it a, a five because I don't remember that that bit. Everything else I kind of remember though. Oh, yeah, maybe it should have been a three instead of a four, but I'll leave it at a four because I, I really like the slow start and I really love when they're all just banging at the end. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. So. Yeah, so however, because of the problematic lyrics, I think we need to deduct some points. Um, cool. Yeah, it's a shame though, because otherwise this song is so, so good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, we have two more songs from the cutting room floor. Songs from the cutting room, songs from the cutting room, songs from the cutting room, songs from the cutting room. Now, that's the last song that's in the movie, except for an Everybody Wants to Be a Cat reprise. However, mm-hmm. there is two more songs from the cutting room floor. The first one is called Le Jazz Hot, and this was what replaced was replaced by Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. And help your mind to just unwind when you don't know what to do. When the blues seem to pursue you like a diabolic plot. When you get uptight, what'll set you right? Jazz hot, the jazz hot. I mean, again, jazz didn't exist at this time in France, but it's a it's a more French version of jazz than what we've got. Yeah. And interestingly, um, there is a very famous jazz standard called the jazz hot. Yeah. Have you heard the jazz hot? No. Like I'm not. the the song that if you ask someone, this is what they'll think of. Oh, baby, won't you? Jazz hot, maybe, and don't ever let it end. I tell your friend it's really something to hear. Anyway, that's that's La Jazz Hot as we know it now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Do you recognise the singer? I don't. Uh, they sound familiar. I don't. I couldn't name them. It's Julie Andrews. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Victor Victoria. Yeah. Okay. But that, that's really famous now, so, um, pro- you know, it would have been weird. would have been weird if this came out as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's uh, Le Jazz Hot, which, yeah, was ultimately replaced by Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. Uh, now, the next song is um, apparently is in the movie, although I didn't recognise it. It's apparently the first verse is spoken in the movie, but the, the song itself is cut. So, yeah, this happens supposedly when Thomas and Duchess are sitting on the um, the uh, chimney and they're talking. With ta- the tails? Yeah, with the tails. And she's saying yep. that she has to go back to. Um- and then the Italian chefs come out and <laughs> yeah. sing. I'm oh, sorry, wrong movie. Give some spaghetti. <laughs> um, this is called She Never Felt Alone. Her days fulfilled this happy hours, although her youth had flown. Because this us, she never felt alone. Um, no loss there. Yeah, kind of boring. No, yeah. Nice enough, I suppose. Gives Duchess something to do, but yeah. <laughs> cut it. Gives her something to do. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, cut it. That's fine. Yeah. Cut, print, moving on. Um, but that's all of the songs from the cutting room floor for the Aristocats. And all of the songs. And for all the of the songs. So, hey, geez, anecdotes. 
Alrighty, so um, <laughs> Angie also really enjoyed this movie. She felt similarly to I did. Again, the silly sort of slapstickiness of it really um, spoke something to her as well. I think, you know, thinking about it, her dad and my dad have very similar senses of humour in terms of the media they like, so we were probably exposed to very similar things growing up. <laughs> But yeah, so this little anecdote comes from the moment when Thomas O'Malley is introduced to us and he's just walking along the riverbank. Thomas O'Malley, is he the Jamaican cat that was cut from the Aristocats? <laughs> Thomas O'Malley. <laughs> um, and he's singing about himself, O'Malley the alley cat. <laughs> she turns to me and says, hang on, is he singing about himself? Is he the Jason Derulo of cats? <laughs> <laughs> Jason Derulo. I actually thought, was this song cut from Cats? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what I wish was cut from Cats? The entirety of, of Cats. Angie's <laughs> <laughs> Like, if um, you put that song in Cats, yeah. right next to, like, freaking Buster for Jones and Jenny, and Jones, it would just... <laughs> Straight in there. What's, like, what's your strange name, Jiggly Blum Bliggly Dumps? <laughs> it's Thomas O'Malley. <laughs> what? It's just the same sort of like bullshit expositional song. Yeah, yeah. Except in this movie, it only happens once, and in that musical, it's the whole two and a half yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, only, uh, if only Thomas O'Malley went to the heavy, heavy side layer. <laughs> he got in his chandelier and balloon yeah. thing and just floated up. If only he Come was on. but a memory. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible joke. You don't have to laugh. <laughs> oh, boy. It's the commitment. It's the commitment. Yeah. All righty. So that brings us to the end of the episode, which means we have a final song. We have a blah, 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 blah. So that brings us to the winning song of the episode, which I have to say it was scarily close, but the winning Ooh. song is <laughs> Ding Everybody wants, wants to be, to be a, a cat, cat. A cat's the only cat who knows where it's at. That's interesting that it won despite the um, despite the demerits we gave it. So it must it yeah. must have scored quite highly unanimously from both of us. It did, yeah. It scored thirty two without the de- the without the Dalmatian without the deduction. Yep. Uh, so on twenty seven point five, it narrowly defeated the Aristocats, the title song. Right. Okay. Where, where does that place it in our top uh, our top scores? Our total overall, I should say. Um, uh, it's on number... F- it's in 14th place yeah. on overall scores. And, oh, it's now third on the music Ooh. music and rankings. Yeah. Hello. So we've got some uh, we've got some movement there. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. So our top 10... Uh, no. It, it feels weird. What do you think is more important, the music lyrics cake or the overall? Um, I think... I think overall, because when we choose our ultimate winner, it's going to be it's from gonna overall. It's going to be from over there. Yeah. So our current top 10 scorers by overall scores, so that's music, lyrics, animation, contribution, and cake, 
Ah, in 10th place, we have Baby Mind from Dumbo. In 9th place, All in the Golden Afternoon from Alice in Wonderland. In 8th place, we have Hi Ho from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. 7th place, You Can Fly from Peter Pan. 6th place, The Walrus and the Carpenter from Alice in Wonderland. 5th place, Once Upon a Dream from Sleeping Beauty. 4th place, Bella Notte from Lady and the Tramp. In 3rd place, Will's favourite, The Bare Necessities from The Jungle Book. In 2nd place, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo from Cinderella. And in 1st position, on 44 points, it is Cruella DeVille from 101 Dalmatians. That's the one to beat so far. That's the one to beat. Um, Yeah, awesome songs in the top 10. All of them are really, really good songs. I'm mm, I'm pretty yeah. pleased with how that's looking. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. Bella Notte is still in the top five. I yeah, love that song. yeah. Actually, yeah, I'm surprised it's held on this long. Well, not surprised because I loved that song, but it is. It's nice. It's nice that it's it's held its place. Yeah. So, Stackers, this brings us to just the final thing I want to talk about before we uh, close off the episode, and that is uh, hopefully a new segment that we're going to continue with, and that is the People's Choice Awards. So isn't that like a real award it is. ceremony well, that happens? All right, the dissecting Disney ditties, <laughs> uh, dastardly. Uh, no, I can't think of alliteration. But the the DDD People's Choice <laughs> Awards. You know what? Uh, come at me, People's Choice Awards. <laughs> um, <laughs> at the end of every episode, or sorry, when every episode releases, we're going to put a poll up on our Patreon. So Patreon.com/slash Dissecting Disney, where our Patreons can. Uh, vote for their favourite song in from that movie. Now, you don't have to agree with us. You, we certainly encourage you to be honest. Which song did you like the most? Uh, and then we will announce that song in the next episode. So our next episode, correct me if I'm wrong here, Stackers, but is that Robin Hood? It's Robin Hood! I love this movie! I can see in your eyes you are telling lies, friend. No, I do! I loved it! That's just a lot growing Did up. Did you really? Re- really, really liked this movie, yeah. Interesting. I don't think I have ever seen it. So this is going to join uh, Sleeping Beauty and Sword in the Stone, I think, as being the ones that I have not seen. Wow. I must admit, I don't remember like any of it, mm. but I do know I watched this a lot and I, I remember that love song. I just thought it was so pretty. Okay. I yeah. remember, and- the only thing I remember is a, an image of like Robin Hood sort of um, climbing across a rope as arrows are coming up and hitting like <laughs> bags of money or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, that could be a fever dream. I'm really looking forward to jumping into it again. Yeah. So that's our next episode. So next episode, we will announce the people's choice winner from uh, the Aristocats. Get on it, people. Get on it and join the discussion, guys. All right. So that wraps up another episode of Dissecting Disney Ditties with Stackers and Will. Until next time, I'm Stackers. And I am Will. Bye. Bye. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network, with gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.